Welcome to episode number seven of Camp We Are United podcast, the podcast which talks about football memories from the past with a particular focus on comics from the 70s, 80s and the 90s and indeed looks at other British comic titles as well and in the studio with me this evening we have a regular member of the team goal good evening everyone as always unless you're listening to this during the day absolutely and tonight we're going to be covering as mentioned one of those other british comic titles from the ipc magazine group of the 1980s which sadly only ran for 15 issues at the time and that comic is scream and that's going to be coming up just in a minute or so. And I know that Gull is a, a very big fan, in particular of Scream and the 13 4 comic strip. Then Gull and myself, Rob, are going to be talking about our own collections, uh, what we collect and how we store it, and some of the, the wants and needs, which are, are sometimes posted on our, our forum, which is www.champweareunited.probos.com, and where people will post anything in particular they're looking for uh, in comics at that time. Then we're going to have a mention of Billy the Fish. We have to get football comics in as well, and Billy the Fish will, from Viz, of course, will be coming up later on. And we're going to be rounding off tonight with a bit of a chat about football and music and thinking of some football novelty records and also thinking about some run-out tunes. So, Scream and in particular 13-4, but the comic itself. Go. Thanks, Rab. Yes, uh, Scream comic came out in 1984. And like you said, ran for... 15 issues, uh, which is not a very long run, of course. Um, and it featured varying stories, including the Dracula file, my personal favourite, the 13th floor, and many, many others. Uh, once that run finished, um, Scream merged into Eagle, and the 13th floor story continued um, from Eagle 1 to 8, to 153 as Eagle and Scream. And then from 154, it was just Eagle. And then the story ran all the way up until issue 258. That's quite a run, quite a, quite a run indeed. Yes. Um, there were also five holiday specials uh, of Scream running from 1985 until 1989. And since then, there have been uh, collected graphic novels. There were a couple of releases in uh, around 2015. But recently, there have been graphic novel releases coming from the very, very start. And there have been two volumes so far. And I found out the other day when volume three is coming out, and that's in September of this year. Very, very gorgeous collection. They come in softback and hardback, which are obviously limited edition. But I absolutely love the 13th floor. And uh, But those 15 original comics are so sought after. And if you are trying to get them on auction sites, well, trying to get the 15, you're talking again. We say this quite a lot, three figures. It really is a real collector's item. But but yeah, uh, I love the story. And I love the fact that uh, now um, Rebellion have continued the story of the 13th floor in a series of Halloween specials over the last few years, uh, um, released under the Misty and Scream banner. Uh, there was also a standalone 13th floor special called Home Sweet Home. And in the last couple of years, Max transferred into another title, Max being the main protagonist in the 13th floor, of course, 
and we may well talk more about who he is in a moment. Uh, but Max features in two of the three issues of The Vigilant, which came out in the last couple of years, and that has now been collected in a three-issue uh, graphic novel as well. So uh, quite a collection to, to try and get hold of there. Um, did you have any experience of, of Scream, Rab? I think more so from the forum. Or yeah. maybe a, a couple of years ago, not at the time, not back in the day in 1984, but I think it was a conversation I had with yourself. Yeah. And that took me on to, to buying a copy of the, the Rebellion edition that you mentioned there. I really enjoyed really enjoyed it. I mean, I think the artwork's absolutely fantastic. The art was drawn by uh, an artist called Ortiz. Yeah. And of course, it was in, in black and white, as, as many strips were in, in at that point in the 1980s. But yeah, really just the atmosphere of the, the story, I think, where, where you had Max, the, the computer, it was a 17-story apartment building, wasn't it? It was centered around. Yeah, with no 13th floor. And of course, yeah, with the 13th floor, and, and Max would really bring about quite a gruesome ending, wouldn't he, in, in each, each edition? He was. As, as the story progressed. And there really was quite a tense atmosphere around it. And the black and white uh, strips gave it a, a grittiness. Uh, yeah, I don't think that they would have worked in colour back then in the, no. the screen editions at all. Well, they would have worked, of course, because that's what you would have got, a colour strip. But as we're used to the black and white, it just worked perfectly. Yes, and it's clear that there are still many fans of the, the comic Scream and indeed the 13th floor still around, yeah. based on the, the, the Rebellion republication of the full story and also some websites. Yeah, there's a, a wonderful website uh, called The Scream Files, uh, and that can be found at screencomics.co.uk. I'm in touch with uh, the man that runs it on there as well, and uh, that lists everything, every issue, every special. Um, it lists, you know, how sought after each one is. It's a really, really wonderful website, and I, I recommend any Scream or 13th Floor fans that are listening to search that website out because it really is a wealth of information. And if you're a collector like I am, yeah, everything's there for you to, to research. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of the other stories from the Scream comic as well, you mentioned the Dracula file. Yeah. Which was about Dracula hunting in 1980s England. Absolutely. I think that's also been collected in a, a, a collection as well. Um, I'm not sure if it was uh, in the mid-2015s uh, or recently with Rebellion, but uh, yeah, I believe that they've been collected or will be out-collected. Yeah. It was also Monster as well. Yes, that was the other main one, wasn't it? With Uncle Terry. Yeah, exactly. And that's been collected as well in a graphic novel collection. Uh, so there is a lot to collect if you're interested in all, all of those titles. But uh, it was a very different comic. 1984, there was, uh, you know, uh, it was quite dark, a, a quite dark subject matter and, uh, you know, the demographic that it was aiming at, a, a kid's comic trying to scare them. I think Barry Tomlinson last week, who was one of the editors of Scream uh, back in the day, you know, mentioned that as they progressed, to, you know, towards the latter uh, editions of the 15, they had problems with the censorship uh, and, you know, it didn't really carry on in the same vein that it was meant to be in, in the initial Editions, um, and if anyone wants to go back and listen to the Barry Tomlinson uh, edition of our podcast, it's episode six. Yes, and as Barry mentioned last week, 
the, the cover line of Scream was not for the nervous. And they had, as, as you suggest, a worry, really. It's different days entirely, isn't it? Going back to the 1980s, where uh, a children's comic had to, to have these concerns, which, you know, when you look at Scream now, in, in the context of 2021, I don't think there would be any censorship issues around it now. No, exactly. And, but, but you're right that the demographic which Scream was pitched at was quite difficult. You know, I, I think probably slightly older readers, given yeah. the content of it, given the suspense, the, the atmospheric nature of the, the storytelling, but this, the storytelling, as I say, just was fantastic. I agree. And for anyone that's not come across uh, those stories or Scream, when, you know, we're not saying that they were horrifically gory no, no, and no, not, no. not for kids, of no, course. Suspense. But, suspense. Yeah, suspense and uh, a little bit of, uh, I'm going to use a funny word now, a bit of sinister. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> It, it, the sinister. It was very sinister. It was. It was. And it was different. It was pitched really a, a, a niche, I suppose, in the market that wasn't there at the time. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a similar type of comic being attempted, certainly in the 1980s. I, no. As I said earlier, I wasn't even... Um, I was probably aware of it, I think, in the 1980s, but I, I wasn't a reader of it at that point. And yeah. I was looking back uh, in more recent times at that now. Yeah. So you're, you're certainly looking forward to the continuing story of Max and the 13th floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that there will be continuing Halloween specials um, <clears throat> that continue the story, uh, uh, just to confirm, yeah, that those recent releases actually continue the story. They're not reprints, they're a continuation of the story. Um, the last special that came out uh, was, I believe, just a Misty one. And, um, well, it was Misty and Scream, but there was no 13th floor in that one. I think there might've been a Dracula file, but I'm sure that the, listeners may correct me if I'm wrong but I uh, hope that a future Halloween edition will have more original 13th floor but of course Max's appearance in The Vigilant came as a huge surprise yeah. you know that, that, that's uh, you know the first time it's appeared in something that well isn't Scream. Yes and what would what would you say the reasoning behind Max's targeting of, of these victims was I think I think that they're sinister of course but I, I think you know he just enjoyed toying with people mm. that's what I think you know and it played out so well in the editions like you said there was always some bad end to whoever that yeah. came across uh nightmare Nightmarish, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, it's an obvious title as well, isn't it? The Thirteenth Floor. You know, you, that you conjure up many images with something like that. But yeah. um, what about yourself? Uh, uh, answering that question that you posed then, uh, from what you know, do you think it was just playfulness, sinister, or? Uh, yeah, there was certainly an element of, of the playful in Max. And it, it's interesting to see a, a computer taking yeah. on that role because, of course, in the mid-1980s, we were a computer, you know, you almost think by a, a computer not long ago had taken up the size of a whole room. And yeah. it was very much the, the early days of the ZX Spectrum, the Commodore 64, the home computer. And so... The, the idea of a, a computer having this mind of its own yeah. and being able to track down, well, villains. I mean, these, these were people who had committed crimes, weren't they? Yeah. Who Max targeted. So Max did what was portrayed at the same time as the hero of yeah. the story of the tale, but also you, you felt that 
nobody could really control Max. No, exactly. He was an entity upon himself. Hmm. It's interesting yeah, that's what artificial intelligence. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there. You know, if that hadn't come out back then, you could have that type of story nowadays with yeah. you know the advent of you know, smart whatever, you know, that, that, that a particular building is run by a computer and that goes rogue, it, you know. It, I think that's why the beauty of it continuing still works. Yes, it was ahead of its time with technology. Very, very yeah. much so. And, and like you said earlier, the artwork was fantastic. It was. And, and the balance of the comic stream again, I mean, I also enjoyed Tales from the Grave. Yeah, which was focused one. on the, the atmosphere of Victorian London. Yeah, and that's very gothic feel, isn't there? Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, I remember growing up as well around that time, and you know, in the late nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, and I was I was always a fan of Tales of the Unexpected. Oh yes, yeah. On TV. That's, uh... I do come across a few of those episodes on Sky Arts nowadays. I think it's yeah. Sky Art. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, and the theme tune as well. Oh, my yes. word. That's a classic. It That's a classic. I think, I think both Tales of the Unexpected and indeed Scream, which, which fed into that same, same area, there's a sense it's a very British style of horror, isn't there? It, yeah, very much so. I, I, you're spot on there. I totally agree with that. Uh, would that work in an American market? I don't know. Perhaps. No. I don't know. Not, not so sure. Not so sure. No. I think that the that element of of suspense, and I think very often British horror, you know, as 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 a, a, a I'm going to use a big fancy word to you. Don't often hear. I've never used in the podcast for genre. <laughs> wow. Oh, I know that's that. Well, it's too late at night for that. But I think <laughs> I think British horror as a you know an area of of literature. Um, and there are many, many classics within it. But yeah, it, it, it's built more, it's always been built more in suspense and atmosphere. And, and very often we think of the Gothic nature of it in the Victorian age. Yeah. Um, rather than Americans, maybe a bit more gore, I think. Yeah, you might be right there, very much so. I was going to say there's an element of uh, Hitchcockian about yeah. it. Yeah, um, but then, of course, Hitchcock did go to America, etc. But, mm. but yeah, the suspense is is uh, is is British compared to, like you said, the the possible goriness and the and the shock element yeah. of of American comics. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. As we, we say, I don't see it working in an American market as much. No, could be wrong. Give it on, of course, with that. But um, yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyable uh, Scream. It really is a classic. It's one of those, you know, as we aim to do in this podcast, to, to focus on some of the more overlooked British comics of the past. Yeah. You know, whether it, obviously a, quite a focus on football, but it's it's really good to to dip in to, to other areas as we're doing tonight. I uh, really, really enjoying this uh, the conversation. And uh, as I say, I know you're you're a big fan of of this particular one. Yeah, very much so. And anyone listening that wants to maybe discover it, uh, the first two volumes um, from Rebellion are only about fifteen pounds each, and they were very much worth a read. Um, so search those out if you are interested. But a really interesting talking point there because it is it is one of my favourites. That's the classic, and clearly that that's one area of your own collection. And, and just moving on to collecting as as a an area really, and, and of course because it's a comic podcast, it, it's a big thing for us. And what what other areas of collecting do you have? And I know you like a list. <laughs> oh, I love a list. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like. I do collect um, Roy of the Rovers. I have about 650 of the 850 issues. Um, um, I collect the Football Picture Story monthlies, of course, which you were kind enough to send me 
a, a huge number of your spares to enhance my collection and which I'm forever thankful for, Rab. Um, <clears throat> I do collect uh, the eighth Doctor Doctor Who comics. Yeah. Um, that's a bit niche, that, uh, but I'm a big fan of the eighth Doctor. Perhaps that's uh, for another day. Um, yeah. yeah, I collect. I collected the Striker issues and also uh, I've collected up to volume 12 of the uh, complete collection. Um, I do collect programs as well, but again, that might be for another day. Um, I mean, I could go on forever here with, with lists, but um, what about yourself, Rab? What, what do you collect? Well, yeah, the last we both, one. both know from the forum, of course, but yeah. do tell them. For, for listeners, yeah, some similar ones there. Is, uh, no surprise to hear Roy of the Rovers, of which I'm pretty close to full collection now. The ones which I'm, I'm finding hardest to pin down are actually the early 1990s. Oh, okay. Um, I'm certainly complete from the very start in the late 70s up to the end of the 80s. Yeah. Um, people's picture story monthly, of course, quite a large set selection there. Commando from DC Thompson, I, I do have a fair number. And also Warlord, uh, I would say these are my two interests in, in war comics, which is coming up soon as well on the podcast. Um, Striker, of course, I do have every magazine issued uh, issue of Striker from the early 2000s and more recent ones, and all the volumes, of course. Um, 2000 AD is another one, which which I've, I've picked up recently. And also, I was very, you mentioned Doctor Who, I was very fortunate last summer, um, it was in, through Facebook that, I think it was the Doctor Who magazine, page on Facebook and someone living very close to me in Edinburgh was was giving away his collection he was moving house and very kindly offered this you know for free just to go and pick it up and when I turned up his house it's like an Aladdin's cave really just box after box of Doctor Who magazine and of course it has a lot of the comic strips in it a lot of the early issues of that so now have a Huge stack of, of Doctor Who. It's um there are so many Who comics to collect, mm. and also Doctor Who magazine. I mean that's been running for decades. Yeah. They're, they're quite collectible as well. Yeah. It's worth mentioning um one of our members, Bark Blue, on the uh, Champ We Are United forum, mm. who uh, posted uh, something that he needed, which was the final issue, number eighty seven of mm. Champ. Uh, and uh, he's been, you know, looking for that for quite a while. And the other day, I'm pleased to say he posted that he managed to get around 30 off of uh, eBay mm-hmm. just for £9, which included the final issue. So to add as well, that's fantastic. But, yeah. I mean, I collect uh, the Champ issues. I have all of those and uh, yeah. most of the Spike issues, a lot of the Buddy issues as well. Um, I need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And how how do you store your comics? It sounds like you well, need a lot of space there. So, well, my all of my rovers are in storage at the moment, safely um, packed up. Uh, but I like to um, bag and board all of my comics if I can mm-hmm. to keep them safe and clean and uh, on the shelf, uh, either on the shelf or in comic collecting boxes which i can highly recommend as well um oh, that's i've just remembered another thing that i do collect as well and that's the marvel superhero secret wars yeah. comic yeah. from back in the 80s um but yeah i bag and board and uh, look after my comics um what about yourself yeah it's much the same um <clears throat> mostly these these quite stubby boxes which you can plastic boxes you can get from ikea yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, there's quite a lot stored in there in the attic. Um, the, the more expensive ones, I suppose, are certainly in the, the poly pockets, of course. Um, the, the boarding, as, as you suggest, certainly, I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners will be familiar with that and certainly worthwhile as well. Um, Marvel and DC, interestingly, I, 
these these have been areas that have come and gone on through the years. Um, I'm certainly a big fan of quite a quite a few of the characters from both the Marvel and DC universes. But I would say there, you know, there are so many of them, aren't there? And and as far as collecting goes, I, I find myself with, you know, stacks of of both Marvel and DC at different times, and then generally end up giving those ones away. Yeah, I mean, the, the original Secret Wars 1 was just 12 issues, mm-hmm. uh, and then Secret Wars 2 uh, was nine issues, but span off into around, uh, I don't know, maybe 80 other issues, which is, which is doable. But yeah. then there was a new version of Secret Wars uh, a couple of years ago, and very quickly I thought, mm, this is not for me, because there were about three, 400 issues mm-hmm. to collect if you wanted the complete story. So, yeah. yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of overkill. I mean, I think that's why the original Secret Wars is so iconic, mm-hmm. because... It, it was 12 issues. Yeah. And that's that. And of course, with, with Marvel, there have been, there are different editions in the UK and, and America, aren't there? Yeah, there are. And also now you get variants as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the Doctor Who comics over here do the same. And that's fair enough because real big time collectors will collect all the variants yeah. but I'm not so much a big fan of, of variants you know it's the same comic with just five different covers one of yeah. which might be very very limited edition fair enough but that's just my opinion you know yeah. uh, sometimes there can be a little bit of overkill yeah yeah but it's it's always worth checking out the website uh, you mentioned Bart Blue there who was uh, really you know happy news this week, been able to complete his own champ collection, and there is a section on the website where, if there's anything in particular that we or any of our members are looking for, then we're able to to do that. And I know that that each of us have have picked up bits and pieces of over the years from other members. Yeah, very much so, and uh, and we 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 have each other's back as well, you know. All of the members that have involved themselves in maybe buying or selling or, you know, or even giving free that they're, 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 you know, that we're not getting ripped off at all because, you know, we're all there for the same reason, the love of comics. And, uh, you know, you can if you go into auction sites, sometimes, you know, prices can be inflated and, uh, you know, that's always a worry. But, yeah, we've had some good swaps and. Uh, even the other day, yourself, uh, I used to have the very final issue of Roy of the Rovers, which was a uh, black cover. Um, and unfortunately, in times gone past, that got mislaid. Uh, but you had a copy of it, and uh, and I now have that in my collection. I know that it was a double for you, so yeah. you haven't lost that in your collection. But that was fantastic news for me because... That was one that I was missing. So you're absolutely right. We really do help each other out on there. And if anyone wants to join the forum, we're a friendly bunch. Very much so. Very much so. And, and I know, I mean, good news, we, we have picked up um, quite a few new members, actually, since the podcast started, which is, is fantastic. And I, I know uh, myself and Ridders in particular have been having some, some very positive chats with people over on Twitter. As well, where you can find us just under the handle um, Champ We Are United. And uh, so do, do give us a look in there at the same time. And speaking of, of British comics more generally, as, as we are tonight, and, and thinking of some classics, Viz is another one, isn't it? Um, which a lot of people will be very familiar with and has been running obviously for many years, very enduring. Uh, British, again, I think it's fair to say a very British publication yeah. in its style. Seaside postcard humour would, would yeah, be one way to put it. You know. <laughs> um, but of course, the football story in Viz is Billy the Fish. And I know there are some fans through, through Twitter um, have, have mentioned Billy. I, I know I, I was certainly a fan um, and I've come across it as well. And 
you know, this Viz, very Viz style strip, which focuses on Billy Thompson as the main character, the man who is half man, half fish, and plays as the goalkeeper for Fulchester. And, you know, you just look at the way it's drawn, and, and there is Billy with this human head and the fish tail, and he has this fantastic mullet yeah. on, on the fish body. And he floats there about five feet above the goal, the goal line. And, <laughs> and you know, of course, he's, he's usually saving the day. Um, there are some great other characters in, in the story. Tommy Brown, the manager, and he appears in classic sheepskin jacket. Um, you know, Billy and, and Tommy have some, some great interactions. There's one episode I remember that Billy was threatening to sign for Chelsea, in fact, and Tommy was, was enraged by this. You've got Sid Preston, who was the Scottish. Um, we found out really more he was Scottish once it appeared as a, a TV animation. A <laughs> good Scottish accent. And um, Rick Spangle, what a fantastic name. What a name that is. Rick Spangle, the millionaire pop star and chairman. No resemblance whatsoever to Elton John, of course. Um, and there was one, one, ep one episode where Spangle was revealed to be a Martian. And he was determined to get Billy to sign for Dynamo Mars. Dynamo <laughs> Mars. <laughs> utterly surreal. Um, and that plot, I remember just sort of came to a shuddering end. We never really got to find out much more about Dynamo Mars. It was just bizarre, but, but good at the same time. Johnny X was the invisible striker. Uh, Johnny was, yeah, yeah, as it says in the thing. Um, and Terry Jackson, yeah, Terry Jackson was was unlucky enough for Phil Chester to be the reserve team keeper until he was he was yeah Billy replaced him of course. And <laughs> Billy the fish famously went on to play for England. Um, <laughs> Fantastic! I didn't know that. <laughs> And we had Evil Gus Parker, the boss of Grimthorpe City, who were Phil Chester's arch rivals. Um, but, you know, if, if you're not familiar with, with Billy, it's worth checking out just even the videos, because once it became an animated series, I just I thought it was absolutely fantastic. They're all quite short, um, but just great characterisation. And it was, I think, clear that it was, it was uh, you know, a, a comedic take on British comics of the uh, football comics of the time, really. Uh, but it's it's one I know that, that people still think fondly of today. Are they available? The animations on YouTube. They are. I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure they're still they're on YouTube. Um, and you know you can there's obviously we'll, we'll, I'm sure folk will have a, a few of those um, around the house and and, and Billy clearly. Um, was was a regular character. It, it's great, isn't it, that we've got uh, people on Twitter making suggestions of talking points as well. Uh, yeah. And if anyone does have any suggestions mm -hmm. of things that you, you'd like us to touch upon, then do uh, get in touch. Uh, no doubt, uh, Rab will later on near the end just uh, tell you the addresses once again. Yes, absolutely. And to move on to the final section of the evening, things flying past today. I have to say. The final section. The We've final, already started. The final countdown, and, and there's there's a link to Europe. <laughs> how's, <laughs> yeah. that for, how's that for segue? And Jeez. we're moving on to football and music, and in particular, we're we're thinking, going to be thinking in this part about. Oh, you know, football novelty records, really. And, and I know you have one for your own club there. Yeah, I mean, with respect to, to the artist, I mean, it wasn't a novelty record from our point no, of view. No, but uh, it, was, it was by uh, uh, a great Talk United player called Dick Edwards, who also played for Aston Villa, Mansfield, Notts County, and was also a very, very good musician. Right. right. And I think 1972, 73, perhaps, uh, he recorded a record which was called Talkie United's War Cry. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And uh, if I may, <laughs> I will just quote you the chorus. Yeah. Oh, United, the best team in the land. Oh, United, we've really got things planned. We've got the luck, we've got the skill, and we can see it through. On to Division Two. <laughs> Brilliant. Which is quite, quite poignant at the moment with Torquay being top of the National League looking oh, to get into League Two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I hope one day we'll see it on a football compilation because it is actually very good. Uh, I can't find it on YouTube or anything like that. But uh, yeah. if anyone out there has that, get yeah. in touch, please. Yeah, Twitter, right? yeah. yeah delighted to hear from Torquay fans on Twitter. Absolutely, on, on that one. Uh, but thinking of, you know, some of the success of, of records, records, you know, I sound about hundreds here. <laughs> <laughs> Pieces of music, shall we say. Um, but, go, you know, World Cups and traditionally FA Cup finals were, were always primed, weren't they, for the, the squad yeah. releasing a record. And there have been some absolute classics, you know. One of my one of my favourites, and I'm, I'm gonna gonna focus this for a minute, if I may, on the World Cup uh, releases. Northern Ireland, where you know, going back to 1982, and when Northern Ireland, of course, famously beat Spain in Spain to qualify from the group, something which I'm, I'm sure listeners will be quick to remind me Scotland have not yet done. <laughs> um, but Northern Ireland released a song called Your Man. And <laughs> it was by Dana. Her it was of, by, it, oh, really? Of Eurovision fame. And, and there's oh. another podcast. Um, but oh, Dana, yes. who, who, of course, is not in fact Northern Irish, but is, is from the, the Republic of Ireland. But it was just absolutely brilliant. And um, it was, yeah, kind of, we're, we're on our way to Spain, never mind the rain. <laughs> How often does it rain in Spain? Yeah. Um, but, you know, in that same year, we also had, what, you know, still my favourite Scotland one, which was called We Have a Dream. Oh, I actually love that myself. Oh, it's classic. Classic. So, really? Yeah, check that one out on YouTube for anyone who's forgotten that one, perhaps. Um, and I know I really, really liked the England one from, I think it was 1970, which was Back Home. Back Home, yeah. I had that on 7-inch. Uh, yeah. uh, any younger listeners, ask your parents. <laughs> yes. Record, yeah, piece yeah. of vinyl, piece of vinyl. <laughs> uh, yeah, with the crackles on it. Yeah, Back Home's a fantastic song. And of course, I would have to concede, um, I am a massive New Order fan. Me too. And I think World in Motion is, is for me, yeah, yeah I'm going to have to say this. I'm going to whisper it. But I think, <laughs> I think I think it's the best football record. It, it is. It's fantastic. It, it changed football records, really, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, completely. Uh, especially, you know, uh, I mean, Three Lions followed on after that, mm. didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, some really good stuff, but the New Order England one was fantastic. Going back to sort of like novelty records, mm. I remember listening to the um, charts, the top 40, maybe uh, in the 90s or something like that. And, you know, and the randomness of like Bruno Brooks or whoever it was. Mm. And now a new entry at number 37, it's the Yeovil Town Football Club squad. <laughs> it released a record and obviously said, right, everyone buy it in yeah. that first week in the town. And they only got into the top 40 with it. Fantastic. You all say that sounds fine. <sighs> yeah, because I suppose people will think of Chaz and Dave. Chaz and Dave. Yeah, or is his dream. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is a classic. You know, again, it's a oh. classic. For Tottingham. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was a... Standing and you know, in amongst looking tiny as, as he was, quite a, quite a short guy, he wasn't he as a football player, but tremendous player. But, yeah. um, yes, looking quite small in the middle of the, the Spurs squad at the time. And then Chaz and Dave had a follow up, didn't they? The, the next year, Spurs got there two years in a row, yeah, exactly. But I be, going off on a slight tangent, sorry, 
uh, Chasm Day for me will always be uh, Snooker Loopy. Oh yeah, yeah. Snooker Loopy in the match room mob. Yeah, I was I was happy to see um, a few or oh, a few begin back ten years now, but I actually managed to see Chasm Day live. Oh wow! In Dunfermline, um, of all places, just up the road from Edinburgh, and. At the end, it was, it was in the town hall in Dunfermline, and at the end, I was able to actually meet the great man himself, Chaz, who he signed um, signed the the concert poster for me, and oh, we had nice. a quick word. He's a really nice guy, um, and I was sad, you know, sad to hear of his passing just yeah. um, last year, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a fantastic documentary that. That was on, I think, BBC Four a couple of years ago as well. Do you know what? This is the beauty of, of our podcast. It's just like the forum for us. Yeah. You know, we talk about anything and everything, don't we? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've got all the way to Snooker Luby, Chaz and Dave. Or Snooker, the matchroom mob, yeah. And, you know, yeah, Chaz and, Chaz and Dave. But, but here's, always, here's know, a gold fact. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. They followed it up with uh, a song. Chaz and Dave and the Matchroom Mob that didn't get in the top 40, <laughs> but you're called the Romford Rap. <laughs> Search that out on YouTube yeah. as well. I have some memory of that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, every Christmas, Chaz, Chaz and Dave's Christmas Knees Up, I think it's called. Yeah. It's just outstanding. It's <laughs> I have Wonderful. a friend, actually, who's, who's a big fan as well. And, and you know, we, we, we make sure we never miss it. At uh, Christmas, and it's become a real tradition. Um, and we just sort of text each other and <laughs> comments when it's on. But yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of people still associate them with um, with the Spurs song. But they also played a very successful set at Glastonbury of all places. Yeah, a few years ago. I mean, they're yeah. not, they're not, they're not a comedic a group at all. No, you know, no. They've, they've had some really good stuff. Yeah, really yeah. good stuff. I know. But you're thinking, you know, a novelty maybe more in the realm of Chris Waddle and Gaza and, <laughs> you know, those sort of football records as well. Um, I mean, I didn't mind Diamond Lights by, uh, uh, well, they called themselves Glenn and Chris. Now, yeah. when yeah. you've got a surname called Waddle and Hoddle, why didn't you just call yourself Hoddle and Waddle? That's the trick, yeah. Definitely. I remember seeing Glenn and Chris on top of the pop singing that, and Chris Waddle, uh, who by the way went on to play for Torquay United. Uh, yeah. Chris Waddle, oh, he was loving it. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, that Glenn Hoddle was loving it, yeah. and Chris Waddle was just stood there going, "I don't want to be here." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, look, look that way. Um, yeah. But. Thinking about run-out tunes as well, what's the, what's the talk? You meant, I think you mentioned the talk here run-out tune before. But... Yeah, we both, uh, for listeners that don't know, we both uh, have been PA announcers for yeah. our respective clubs. Respective clubs, yeah. Kilmarnock and uh, Torquay United. Yeah. Um, so we've had the same... So we've got a pre-run-out uh, tune. And just to clarify, I was the announcer... Um, for 20 years uh, for Talk United, over two stints. Started there in 87 until about 2001 and returned um, about 2016 before I moved to, to Derbyshire uh, in a year or so. Um, yeah, so we've had the same pre-run out music, which was Herb Alpert's Abanda, which is absolutely fantastic uh, instrumental piece. Uh, that's actually our post run out. I'm getting myself all confused. Uh, it's a short piece and we, you know, read out the teams over that piece of music. And yeah. our pre-run out music is, um, which we had been using since the 90s, was Robert Miles's Children. Yeah. Um, and that still gets played, um, both of those nowadays fantastic tracks and uh, but children really builds up to a crescendo and if you can time it correctly you know you can you get the team come out right on the end of the song yeah yeah i mean it, it, it's, it's good the way that clubs become associated with a particular run out and i know riddles was, was mentioning red cars 
for everything. And I was, you know, I was disappointed to discover that Watford's run H in is also Z cars. I hadn't actually known that. It's um, amazing, really, isn't it? What, yeah. what, what tunes teams do actually run out to. Yeah. I, I mean, West Ham's is obviously quite well known with I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. Yeah. Um, Liverpool, of course, have You'll Never Walk Alone. And Leicester, um, they've, I think they've had the same one for some time, which is the Post-Horn Gallop. <laughs> That's worth a listen. Um, uh, Sussex by the Sea at Brighton. I'm just thinking of, of ones off the top of my head. Um, but these, these are good. I mean, these are obviously a lot of them long-standing traditions at clubs. And despite, you know, the age of Sky and all the money surrounding football, as, as we have, you know, we could spend the next hour talking about the Super League, obviously. But um, it's good that, that clubs are associated with a particular piece of music. Indeed. And uh, I've got a lovely memory of uh, Robert Miles's children. Uh, Talkie were away at South End in around oh, 2004 or something like that. And we actually won promotion at that yeah. game, uh, uh, and uh, and that was amazing. But the group of us, we were in the pub beforehand, of course, mm -hmm. and there was music being played, and there we are with our pints. And then all of a sudden, Robert Miles's children start playing, Perfect. and we got chills. We just looked at each other and went, do you know what? I think today's going to be our day. Uh, yeah. you know, amazing. Funny what football does to you, isn't it? Yeah, it has, it has such a connection with music. And as, as we were talking about the World Cups earlier, you know, just hearing some of these tunes, whether it's We Have a Dream or Back Home or um, World Motion, it just takes you right back to that summer. Yeah. And some of the matches and, and you know, obviously World Motion, it was, it was a very successful run for England to the semi-final yeah. in that year as well. Um, I can remember being in a club in Blackpool that summer, and it was the the palace. Was it the palace was the famous club in Blackpool, wasn't it? Um, and you know the place was absolutely packed out. It was during the World Cup, and the DJ at different sites, really, really good DJ. I remember that uh, <clears throat> a woman actually, and she was um, she would sell tapes of her of her mixes and whatnot. Tapes. 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 We're talking about parents. <laughs> <laughs> tapes, cassette tapes, and vinyl all on the same night. But um, she was, but what she would do during the night was she would, and she timed this very carefully. But the Scotland song would come on because at the time Scotland was still in the tournament. And then I, th I think it was the island that would have been the Republic of Ireland chain. And of course, then World in Motion would, would come on later in the night. And, and naturally enough, that was that was the most popular um, in Blackpool. But it, 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 does, it does really take me back to memories even of being in that club. Yeah. I, 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 and I hear what you're saying about memories. You know, 1990, World in Motion. I still mm. have visualizations of uh, where I was, you know, are oh, fantastic. It really does conjure up wonderful memories. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I know, I mean, obviously Three Lions was, has, well, I think it's been re-released at every tournament since, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think <laughs> there have been about four or five versions now, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, with downloading, it's the same with Christmas and things like that. Yeah. When there's a football tournament, um, you know, these things get back into the charts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think last time, last World Cup, when, uh, when did England get knocked out uh, in the last World Cup? Did they get to the semi-final? Semi-final last one as well. Semi-final, yeah. yeah. So uh, mm. the build-up there was, you know, songs getting back into the charts mm. with downloads and streaming and things like that. So... You know, that's always going to happen, especially at the World Cup. You'll get things like World in Motion, maybe get back into the charts. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, so we'll look forward to hearing it again next year. <laughs> in, in yeah. In so that's 
about all we've got time for, I think, tonight. Uh, many thanks to, to Gull. Pleasure. Or, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and such a varied chat, as you say there. We've covered everything from, from, from gothic horror. We even used the word genre, I think it was at one point. I know, I can't believe it. Steady on there, Rab, steady on. <laughs> and, and I also had trouble trying to say sinister, sinister like, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, we, we discussed Victorian literature, you know, it got quite highbrow there for a minute. And yeah. then then we went from that to Billy the Fish. That <laughs> was probably one, one to the other, but all the way through, and a really good, really good chat about our own collections and Again, um, as I said, encourage anyone who, who's on our own forum, um, anything you're, you're on the lookout for yourself in the comic area, um, do let us know, or, or on Twitter as well. And um, we'll see what we can do to help you out there. And um, of course, we, we rounded off a, a really enjoyable chat there about the, the connection between football and music, um, which I'm sure we will revisit um, at some point. And we didn't even get to our own of other musical tastes um, which we will return to. So many, many thanks um, one and all once again for listening to us tonight. We do hope you enjoyed that and do give us do give us some feedback. Um, we're very grateful for all comments that, that we receive and um, they are, I would say, mostly, mostly positive, thanks for what I say, but helpful, but also helpful or constructive and it's really good to hear your own you know, memories of music or Billy the Fish or Scream or anything like that at all. So or Snooker Loopy. Or, or Snooker Loopy. Or Snooker Loopy. If you're a fan of Chaz and Dave, you find your place now. So, <laughs> so we will catch up with you again very soon. We do have another um, special coming up next week on Melchester Rovers. And I'd like to say we'll have a guest coming on, joining us from the Melchester Facebook group. So we're looking forward to chatting all things um, Royal Rovers again next week. And meantime, do stay safe out there. Um, hope everybody's well. And do check out our website again, of course, www.champweareunited.proboards.com. And in the meantime, it's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Take care.